0: Welcome to Breaking Brave, I'm your host Marilyn Barefoot and I wanted to mention that if you would like to connect with me directly you can always do so at MarilynBarefoot.com or BreakingBrave.show. I see and answer every single contact personally and I would truly love to hear from you. Welcome to Breaking Brave, I'm Marilyn Barefoot your host After avoiding speaking almost entirely for more than 25 years, José uncovered groundbreaking insights for personal transformation that turned his obstacle, his stutter, into triumphant public speaking and stand-up comedy performances in Three Continents and Four Languages. José is on a mission to change people's relationship with fear and discomfort so that they start taking action and unleash their inner greatness. When José realized that fear was controlling his life, he used it as a compass to guide him where he wanted to go. Please welcome the exceptionally brave José Perenian. I am thrilled to welcome José Peranian. I'm just going to start with a quote that's one of your favorites. Why do you stay in prison when the door is so wide open? From a Sufi poet named Rumi, I believe. Rather than me introducing you, José, let's have you introduce yourself. <laughs> Go ahead.
1: Interestingly... Introducing myself was the one thing I feared the most. So I'll perhaps start by mentioning that I have a stutter. So for all of you out there listening to this, your internet is working just fine. So... I was born and raised in Lebanon. I grew up with a severe stutter because of which I avoided speaking and people almost entirely out of the fear of being judged for for being different. And in the past 6 years embarked on his Very unexpected journey that resulted in delivering five TEDx talks, performing stand up comedy in three continents and four languages. I often jokingly say that I stutter in six different languages, which is true. And now I speak professionally at organizations all around the world.
0: There's so many roads I can go down right now, Jose, but thank you. That's a, that's a brilliant introduction. I want to go back to a story. You were a teen and you met a girl at a party and you held hands. Are you okay if we talk about that story <laughs> just a little bit?
1: Yeah, so it's a story I often tell in my In my keynotes, it refers to an incident that occurred when I must have been 18, 19. I was, at the time, doing my undergrad in Montreal, and I went to this house party with some of my friends, and I meet someone there. We hit it off, and we start holding hands. And then she asks me, what is your name? And as a person who stutters, the name is oftentimes a word that is very difficult to say, potentially because of the emotionality that's associated with our name, and maybe some, the fact that if you have a hard time s- s- saying your name, t- typically people will react because the name is something that we we all know by heart and we can recite on demand, and so a, a very common response that. Someone who stutters can get if they get stuck on their name. The other person might say, "Did you forget your name?" Mm. And that's an experience that that that's very unifying, I think, for for people who who stutter because we've all had that that same ex- experience. So. To go back to that interaction at the house party, she asks me for my name, and I get uh, I get badly stuck on the first letter I say Zh. and as I am struggling to to say my name to tell her who I am, she lets my hand go and walks away and in my keynotes, I make a joke about it and I say, I say, was it something I didn't say? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that just hurts when I hear that story. Why were you in Montreal? What were you studying? I got I've got I I think I know the answer, but I'd love to hear it from you as to why Montreal, why Canada, and why why did you choose what you ended up studying in Montreal?
1: Sure. So I went uh I did my undergraduate degree at a university in Montreal called McGill University. And I was studying both business and psychology.
0: And what took you down the road of psychology specifically?
1: (laughs) It's interesting you ask that because initially... I was supposed to do a commerce degree, so I was supposed to do business. And when I took a class in business school called Organizational Behavior, I was quite interested in the psychological theories that we were learning about in that class And as someone who stutters, I've always gravitated towards psychology because of my own obstacles and subsequently my interest in learning more about both myself and other people. So it's something uh, I naturally gravitated towards. And th- thankfully, at the time, McGill had this program called Psychology F- for Management, which allowed me to stay within the, the business school, but s- specialize in both business and psychology at the same time.
0: Fantastic. Chelsea, were you born with this stutter? is is this something that you were born with or is this something that developed or do we know does anyone really know how this happens to people because in my in my research i have a number here on my wall that there are 70 million stutterers worldwide according to the stuttering foundation of america and there are some famous people including you <laughs> Joe Biden, Winston Churchill, King George the 6th, Emily Blunt, James Earl Jones and Marilyn Monroe. And I didn't know any of this. So it's been a fascinating <laughs> learning journey for me, but mm. how did this were you born with it? How did it happen or mm. what do you understand of how it happened?
1: Great question. I've always had it. So okay. according to my mom As early as age two, she had already picked up on some disfluency in my, in my speaking patterns. And it's something that happens in the brain, you neurologically. So it's, it's in the brain. And of course, some factors can exacerbate its intensity or its frequency. If you are anxious, then it might make your stutter a bit more severe. However, the stutter itself is not caused by stress or by nervousness or by anxiety, which at times is a common misconception. Mm. So it's something I've always had, and I would say most of the challenge stems not from the physical act of stuttering. Rather, it stems from from how you experience your stutter as you interact with other people.
0: Wow. Okay, so when you say how you experience it? Are you talking about, I don't fit in. I don't sound like the other person mm. I'm speaking with. Mm. I feel different. Is Are those the emotions that you're maybe experiencing?
1: Absolutely. That is exactly how I would feel. And that's why I had chosen to avoid speaking because silence was a Protective mechanism. Silence allowed me to escape situations that would otherwise have made me feel small. So I chose silence to protect myself from the world. What is, however, unfortunate is that when we protect ourselves through silence, We are protecting ourselves from everything. And by everything, I mean both the good and the bad. It guarantees that we will squander our potential if we choose to to avoid.
0: Absolutely. So how did you make the decision that you were going to end your silence and and start going towards and being more involved in the speaking world.
1: In my second year of undergrad, I had begged my professors to exempt me from all of my presentations. And I remember I had this one class, I think it was called Organizational Policy I believe, and we, we had a certain percentage of your grade that was dict- dictated by how much you participated in class. And I recall going to meet the professor during his meeting hours, and I told him, look, I have a stutter, I c- can't participate. So would I be able to do extra homework in lieu of ever having to speak in your class? And he he did accept, which I uh, I would say it is bittersweet. It is sweet because of course someone in an educational setting should be should be mindful of accommodations when they are requested so i definitely think that in that situation the the prof did the right thing however maybe i was secretly hoping that the prof would ask me a couple of questions to get t- to the bottom of why I preferred not s- speaking because and again I I don't know if that's even something a a prof should do so I'll say that I knew that I was holding back, and I knew that I was holding back from speaking because I was terrified of what other people would say or think if I ever openly stuttered in front of them. So after that uh, second year of avoiding my presentations, In my third year, I decided to join Toastmasters. I'm sure a lot of people listening will know what it is. If you don't, it's this international organization through which you can work on your public speaking skills. They have chapters all around the world. So I joined Toastmasters to overcome that fear of public speaking. And then in my in my last year of undergrad, I joined the the debating club. And I would say these were some of the first steps I took that eventually led to me further challenging myself through stand-up comedy through public speaking competitions and eventually TEDx talks and then keynote speaking internationally
0: and going to the mall could we talk about going to the mall and why why <laughs> sure. you spent a lot of time in the mall
1: absolutely and I still do so one exercise that I Had learned initially through a speech therapy I had done for my stutter involved going to the mall and talking to a hundred complete strangers. It typically is an exercise that involves asking for directions. To a okay. hundred strangers consecutively within one s- s- session. So you're okay. at the mall for, for two to three hours, and you're focusing on that exercise. I realized that this exercise was incredibly effective because it entailed exposure to your fear in a very repeated manner in psychology they would refer to it as exposure therapy or even desensitization where you are voluntarily putting yourself in situations that you genuinely find uncomfortable and i started doing that exercise every week. And then now, every time I have either a keynote speech or a stand-up comedy performance coming up, I will challenge myself by going to the mall and doing this exercise.
0: And I'm it's one of those things where I wish somebody had followed you around with a video camera. What was the range of reactions that you (laughs) got from people? I mean, I can't even imagine Mm. there would be a great spectrum of reactions. I, I would imagine. So, Mm -hmm. so I, I mean, some standout reactions, maybe just to (laughs) demonstrate the range of reactions that you got from strangers Mm. who you were asking directions of.
1: (laughs) It's a great question because I do agree that that some examples definitely stand out in my mind. Uh, I I will say first of all, though, to address a comment you made earlier, thankfully, there, thankfully there was someone with a a video camera. There's a movie being made about my story, and the filmmaker had indeed captured some of those interactions. And when I think about the average normal distribution of reactions during a given session, you'll have some reactions that might be in the negative. And this could be I ask for directions, but I get S, 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 stuck on a word and the person might laugh or the person might laugh and then walk away. The person might make a comment. So the, these are the examples that might be considered negative. Now, there are examples that are c- c- considered p- 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 positive and these might be so sometimes while doing this exercise if the person tells me that they are going to look up the store name on their phones I tell them it's okay I'm actually just doing an exercise to work on my stutter and in some cases that leads to a conversation and then in some cases the person has asked me several questions about how's the exercise going how many people have you talked to yet how are people reacting so there is this sense of 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 curiosity i've seen in a lot of people some will tell me that the exercise is inspiring or they know someone who stutters. One example that stands out in terms of a very positive interaction, about six or so years ago, I had just moved to to Toronto and I stopped this guy here in downtown Toronto and I asked him for directions. And then eventually I do explain the exercise to him. He then asks me more about it. it. It leads to a conversation. I noticed that he might be a French speaker, so we switched to French, which is one of one of my languages. So it turned out he had moved f- from France to to Toronto a month or so before our interaction that day. And we ended up ended up staying in touch. And over the years we we've had dinners and and I've become very good friends with him and his, him and his wife and and a few months ago, he invited me to, to have brunch at, at his place to meet his one-year-old daughter. And I thought it was so surreal that based on this simple interaction that aimed to act as a speech exercise, to think that it led to a friendship and i even got to work with his wife on a on a project on a project as well later on she's an event planner so her so her conference had invited me to to do a talk so it's it's quite interesting what happens when we show up and when we We show up authentically in the world and have these genuine connections with other people.
0: I'm so thrilled that you shared that story, Jose. Thank you. Because, I mean, we don't know the percentages. Maybe the filmmaker whose name, let me see, let me see, let me see, Josiane Blanc. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Uh, Josiane, we're going to talk about the film in a second. (laughs) That... That I would hope and I want to believe in humanity that would be more positive outcomes. Like maybe not you're coming over for brunch, you're meeting his family, (laughs) you're working (laughs) with his wife, maybe not. Like those are unusual, but generally more people that would have had patience and stood with you and wanted to help you as opposed to brushing you off or saying something negative or not being helpful at all.
1: In fact, if I had mentioned both the extreme negative and the extreme positive, as in any normal distribution, most of the interactions I would say are 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 somewhere in the middle, so they are neutral, which of course is is a good thing
0: mm-hmm.
1: Be- because growing up with a stutter. I I assumed that every single person I would talk to would react very negatively to my stutter. And in that sense, a neutral reaction is actually a positive reaction that counteracts years and years of self-limiting beliefs One other thing I will add is that while I called those reactions of laughter and walking away, while I called these negative, in the grand scheme of things, those reactions have played a big role in the desensitization process. Because whenever we're exposed to what we thought was the worst case scenario, and we survive the worst case scenario, it's no longer the worst case scenario. So there is a degree of empowerment that occurs when we're able to to be exposed to, to these difficult situations and we still manage to get through them, we are strengthening our resilience and our belief that we can navigate situations that in the past seemed insurmountable.
0: You are an incredible man. (laughs) So the obvious to the world, I believe, question is, how do you manage it's like what are the techniques that you're using as you're speaking to me right now mm-hmm. because i imagine that our listenership around the world there is going to be some people of the 70 million stutterers <laughs> who want to understand how they might be able to improve their ability mm-hmm. to communicate and and do I I don't know about stand-up comedy, but improve their communication skills with people and, and do what you're doing. So wh- what is it that you do, José, that makes it possible for you to have these co- long conversations with people?
1: Mm, great question. For anyone who the, does not stutter and is looking to improve their communication, I'd recommend something like Toastmasters, which exists internationally. For someone who stutters, I personally did this speech therapy program called the Maguire program, which is all about using a breathing technique to control the stutter. And if, if there are any listeners who who have a stutter and would like to to learn more about it you you can contact me through my website and i'm i'm happy to share some more information specifically about my ex experience with stuttering more specifically
0: fantastic so you've you've since we're there, what is your website or how do you because we're we're in that place. Now I was gonna ask you anyway, how do people find you, connect with you, follow you, book you for amazing events all <laughs> over the world, and obviously find out more about your story and things that you might recommend? So what it what are all those call-out things, Jose?
1: Absolutely. So my Instagram handle is Yesway Jose and it's j o z or z e and then my website is just my full name joseperanian.com same as my linkedin my full name jose peranian i would say in terms of the of the movie release that should be happening sometime early next year if you follow me on Instagram and or LinkedIn I'll definitely provide updates about that or you can also s- sign up through my website to receive that update and I've also been writing a book th- this year it'll be a bit longer though be before the
0: book is out. So yeah. <laughs> Books are harder, definitely. <laughs> José, you're you though the name, well, the working name of the film, the filmmaker Josiane Blanc, Words Left Unspoken. Am I correct mm-hmm. with that? Mm-hmm. So that people know what yeah. to look out for.
1: Yes. Eh, exactly.
0: Fantastic. I'm thrilled to hear that's going <laughs> going along. So I would like to talk to you now about fear. I have a quote that I'd like to throw out there, and then fear and bravery as they walk hand in hand. You said and say in a lot of your keynotes, use fear as a compass that will guide you where you want to go. Mm. Can you just expand on that for me, José, in terms of of that statement, Mm. please?
1: fear can act as a roadblock or as a as a compass and one specific story that comes to mind occurred a few years back i was at the book signing event of the of the author mark manson it was for his new book at the time and there mo- must have been four hundred people at that event at a bookstore here in downtown to in downtown to Toronto, and after after he read a few pages from his new book, he told us that he would be taking questions, and once. I heard him say that, my heart s- started to, to pound. And in that moment, I vividly recall thinking, "Oh, oh this means I have to do it. Contrary to how I would have interpreted that same exact fear, In the past, in that sense, the fear itself might never go away. Before every stand-up comedy performance or speaking engagement, I'm in the backstage meditating and, and I have realized that the fear never goes away. However, if we interpret the fear as a compass or even as a trampoline, we are much more likely to take action, not only in spite of the fear, but sometimes because of the fear and thanks to the fear. Because in that moment, uh, in that bookstore, it is precisely because the mere thought of asking a question in that room felt so challenging that I knew deep down that doing so would would mean progress on my journey of personal growth.
0: And you did, you did it. You asked the question. I just, did it just to tie it back in a bow.
1: I did. I. It would have been a a, a sad story if I didn't. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, I did ask the the question, and as soon as I had had done so, I remember feeling amazing after, and that is how we often feel right after we do something that scares us, something we did not think we could do. I'll add a caveat here. Some fears are evolutionary, evolutionarily useful. If you don't play w- with a scorpion, that's okay. <laughs> Listen to that fear. However, in some cases the fear does get in the way of the fulfillment of our potential. And in those, in those cases, we can acknowledge the fear being there. However, it, it does not have to prevent us from taking action. In fact, one of my biggest realization over the past few years has been that Fear and action don't have to be mutually exclusive. Fear and action can coexist.
0: It's brilliant. And somebody, some wise individual said, and I don't know who it is, our greatest accomplishments are just on the other side of fear. (laughs) So that feeling, the feeling you had Mm -hmm. after you asked the question in the bookstore It's like nothing else, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And one thing to keep in mind is that fear is the temporary. We might experience that that fear or that discomfort for five seconds, ten seconds, fifteen seconds. But while while we are doing that thing, the fear gradually goes away. So the question ultimately is, are we willing to withstand temporary discomfort if it means uncovering potentially amazing opportunities that would not have existed had we not taken that step.
0: I would love to hear from you about, first of all, I gotta ask this from my gut, Jose, in this is my ignorance, because I honestly don't know the answer. Is it tiring for you to do these kinds of interviews or to stand up and do TED Talks or? Motivational, inspirational. Is it tiring for you? Because you're mentally having to obviously answer and listen to my questions, Mm. but also to be aware of a breathing technique that I'm obviously not aware of.
1: Mm. It is definitely both tiring and invigorating at the same time. However, this outcome is. Far superior than one of avoidance. It's like that quote that goes, I might be paraphrasing it. Most men live a life of quiet desperation. And I find that avoiding speaking and squandering my potential felt much more tiring and emotionally exhausting than the alternative, which is definitely an invigorating and much more exciting way to live your life.
0: Brilliant. Absolutely. So Jose, because we're talking about fear, what does bravery mean to you? This is a question, obviously, because it's Breaking Brave that I'd love to ask (laughs) all my guests and everybody has a different take on it, which is tremendous. So I'd love to hear yours.
1: Earlier, I said that fear and action can coexist. I would say that bravery is when fear and action coexist the goal for us should not be to eliminate fear because that goal could be indirectly postponing us taking the action that we ought to be taking because if we wait for that day that perfect day when we will not feel afraid we might wait endlessly
0: that might be one of my my favorite answers which i'll say thank you i've got something up here too that people have have asked you what was your breakthrough moment and your answer is nah. There is in in your case, I'd say in probably everybody's cases, there is no such thing as a breakout moment. So what what is that about, José, when you answer that question like that? What does it what is it about?
1: <laughs> that is one of my favorite questions because it's based on an assumption heavily influenced by Hollywood that all we need for change is that one breakthrough moment when something just clicks. Yeah. And then we will go running under the rain in New York City with Katy Perry's (laughs) fireworks shining in the sky. I have not found that to be the case. For me... Change occurred through what I like to call millions of micro-moments of bravery. Moments during which we repeatedly do what we least want to do again and again and again. Because it isn't a singular transaction with the universe it's this ongoing slaying of the, of the dragon. However, the more we pu- put ourselves in these moments, even though it might feel like we're not making progress because the fear might still be here, while we are entering these fear-defying moments, uh, our life expands as a result. So, taking action when fear is present is the input. All of the amazing, unexpected outcomes is the output. It's always more effective to focus on the input by repeatedly doing these. Tasks that we know are aligned with what we want our lives to look like. And then the outputs, the output will emerge naturally.
0: Focus on what you can control, which is the input, as opposed to what you can't, which is the output.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and to to add to that it was it was truly never my intention to become a keynote speaker, a stand-up comedian not at all. I simply focused on one fear defying action at a time and my life evolved in such an unexpected way over the Past few years,
0: and I would love to chat with you for just a couple of minutes here about Canada's Got Talent. <laughs> I I watched you put first and foremost Howie Mandel into complete his, hysterical stitches of laughter <laughs> as you appeared on Canada's Got Talent. So I don't I don't know where they filmed that. I don't know how many people were in the audience when all this was going on, but. Talk about a potentially fearful moment of standing on a stage and auditioning for Canada's Got Talent. Can you tell us that story, please, José?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it was as surreal as one would imagine to be up on that huge stage to see Howie Mandel and the other judges Lily sing. And it definitely was one of those macro moments. Uh, I often speak about micro moments and macro moments. And I prepared for it as I always do by going to the mall the day before, by doing my meditation, going to the gym in the hotel and doing all those steps I do before I, I go up on stage, and it's it was a wonderful uh, experience, and the f- feedback online was also lovely.
0: And I didn't follow along to find out did did you get selected for the next round, the next round, next round, or any of those things? Like I guess they come down to their list of finalists. How far did this go for you?
1: Yeah, so I, I, I got, I got four yeses from the, from the judges, and then I was in Lebanon when they were coordinating the next appearances, and and logistically it did not end up working out but that first experience on that stage was lovely
0: you are just a gift to this world jose is there anything that we haven't talked about today at all that you were hoping that we would talk about that i i didn't i didn't bring up i didn't ask
1: the only thing that comes to mind is the the role of of humor the role that humor can play in our lives. I know for me, humor acted as a very effective strategy to turn what was otherwise a source of insecurity into something I can fully own, something I can authentically express with the world and i definitely can say that deciding to go up on stage to perform stand-up comedy for the first time over six years ago now was one of the most significant things i I've done in terms of changing my relationship with being different.
0: And my understanding, José, is that you have admired, had a great place in your heart for stand-up comedians since you were young. Do you remember where that <laughs> came from? That you were like, I-, I love, I love stand-up comedians. And you're taught, you're preaching to the choir here because I <laughs> love stand-up comedians. <laughs>
1: In Lebanon, as a teenager, I used to have, I used to have a a lot of stand-up tracks on my iPod. So it was an old school iPod. uh, And I, 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 I listened to a lot of comedians that way at the time. It was Dane Cook and Chris Rock and George Carlin, Bill Hicks, among other comedians. And I I definitely did not expect to ever become a stand-up comedian myself. I appreciated it. I appreciated stand-up comedy as a spectator. Mm-hmm. because i often found a refuge in it from my daily life which could at times be anxiety provoking due to the due to the stutter and the fear of of speaking with people with almost anyone so escaping through humor and that sense of relief I, I got from stand-up comedy was definitely a, a p- pattern for me. <laughs> Interestingly, I, I recall I, the first time I went to a comedy show in Montreal was at this c- comedy club called the c- Comedy Nest, and I had seen this k- comedian called Ali Hassan perform. And then years later, I was performing with him on some show here in t- t- Toronto. And I recall thinking, wow, how, how absurd can life be? How unexpectedly it can evolve when we challenge ourselves by doing things we find challenging we find scary
0: wow keep doing what you're doing and i hope the world and anyone listening everyone listening will follow you will book you you've done huge keynote presentations for huge companies like google who else have you done huge presentations for jose
1: I have had the chance to, to speak at organizations like Google, Boeing, v- v- Meta, TikTok, among all their places.
0: Well, and, and I wish you every success continuing along that path. And I hope that path is bringing you such joy and such fulfillment because it is bringing us on the receiving end of it incredible joy, incredible optimism, and just loving what you do. So thank you for joining me today. It was just a delight.
1: Thank you so much for having me on, Marilyn. I'm excited for the release of our episode.
0: Thank you so much for listening. For updates between episodes, I'd encourage you to join my mailing list, which you can do at either MarilynBarefoot.com or breakingbrave.show. At most once a month, at least once a quarter, you'll receive an update on the latest resources, topics, and information I've found either super helpful or amazingly impactful. That's it for now. See you next time.